Today's podcast is brought to you by RetouchUp.com. RetouchUp wants to be your photo editing partner. They help you streamline your workflow to keep you doing what you do best, shooting, selling, or just enjoying life. Listen later on in the show for how you can receive a special discount code from RetouchUp.com. You are listening to the Photobomb Podcast with the world's greatest photographers, Boo Ray and Gary. Welcome to the Photobomb Podcast. My name is Boo Ray Perry, and joining me as always is Gary Hughes. It's an injustice, Boo Ray. It's an injustice. You're a man who loves justice. I am. I am all about truth and justice in the American way. Yes, yes. You are you are a superman. I am uh, the superman of photographers. But I have I have an injustice that needs to be dealt with and I need your help. All right. So uh, you know about the preschool that's now open next door to my studio, right? Yes, you, right. you have so, many toddlers right on the other side of the wall, uh, playing games and singing songs and screaming for no reason. Yes, yes. And to add I- insult to injury, now one of the one of the caretakers, one of the teachers who works at the preschool, is parking in my parking spot. Like I've been alone. <laughs> I've been alone no, in this. No, no. I've been alone no, in this plaza. No. <laughs> I was the only business in this plaza for a while, and all of a sudden, there's just there's one spot right in front of my the door to my studio, and I've I've been parking there for the last four years every single day, and so I'm assuming since school opens a little earlier than I typically get to the studio, there's a car parked in my spot every day when I get here. Now here's the rub. Where where do you wait? Where where do you have to park now? As a result, I mean, no, I mean it's a relatively small parking lot. It's like 25 spaces. Okay. So it's not, it's not, you know, I, the furthest spot away, I'd still be 75 feet from my front door. Okay. So there, there is a place for you to park. Of course. Yes. And it's, and it's not that far. No, no, it's, it's marginally farther, but it's my spot. It's your spot. I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not siding with anyone here. I'm just trying to get all the details of the crime scene. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, by complaining that I, that I have to park it further away, I mean, it's, it's, it's dumb because, but it's my spot. And here's the other thing. To add insult to injury, every day that car is backed into my space. <laughs> it's a back-end parker has stolen my parking spot. <laughs> I'm just trying to imagine. I'm just trying to imagine the first time you pulled into the parking lot on autopilot, muscle memory. Every day I drive in. I've got my coffee here with me. I'm driving. I pull the same spot in. I go to the very same spot. I park the same way in front of my – it's just – I don't even think about it. I could do it. Sleep. I could do it, and you and suddenly there's a car there, and it's backed in, and like a cartoon, you know, there's flames just coming up the top of your head, like a, like the steam whistle, Woo! you know, yes, you're Mister Furious. Yeah, I don't. So, what are you going to do about this? Well, here's the here's the irony that this person comes to work every day. And they probably have no idea that that's the spot I always park in because they get there probably an hour, hour and a half before I typically come to work. They just started doing this a few weeks ago. And they probably never even occurred to her that this has been the spot that I park in for the last four years every day. And in reality, it's not a big deal. I should be glad to have, you know, the plaza is all filled up with tenants now. And, and that's, you know, that's all good. And, and uh, you know, the economy, uh, you know, there's, there's jobs, there's kids who have a safe place to go to school. 
And it's burdened me up the longer this goes on. At first, I was like, no big deal. And every day, it just chaps my ass a little more every single day. And the thing is, as much as it's burning me up, I know that this woman has never even thought about it. Like, it, it's taken 0% of her emotional energy. <laughs> no, of course not. The irony of it in life is it's something that is just eating you up inside, that's, that's just bothering you on a daily basis, could just be not on someone's radar at all. No one's, you're, the, you're the only one who is bothered. Listen, you were, come to me, my son, and sit down, because Yoda is going to talk to you about being the only person who cares about something. Yes, I, I realize I long, that this is sort of... I have a long and storied history of being the only person who cares about something. This is definitely... This is your area of expertise. This is mine. You are, you are certainly... You are the Michael Jordan of being the only one who cares. Yes, I and am so, absolutely. I am the so, only one. I am the 12th angry man. So I am coming to you, Sensei, if you could just tell me, tell me, how, to, tell me how to find peace in this well, situation. I think that uh, first, you practice um, some deep breathing exercises to prepare yourself. Yes, yes, that's helpful. Uh, you might want to perhaps create a mantra that will help mm. you to still your mind. I am the only one. There you go. <sighs> Parking space does not and matter. And then. I am a flower. I'm when you've reached the space of tranquility and neutrality. Mm, yes, I'm getting there. I'm so close. You go out into the. Fresh new day. Mm, yes, outside air is good. And you set the car on fire. Yes, perfect. That'll make me feel, <laughs> that'll make me feel so much better. You yes. douse it in kerosene and you light it off. Okay. All right. Maybe. I mean, maybe, I mean, you mean metaphorically, right? Like, like, like no, no, it. no, no. You go, you get some gasoline, you torch that baby, you light that baby on fire. I don't know what happened. Never happened to me. You know, I've been parking there for 10 years. It's never happened to me. That's a tragedy. Yeah. Oh, man. You know what? Yeah, that's a dangerous spot. You should definitely not park there. You should not park in that spot. You know what? <laughs> I'm going to park there to make sure no one else does. You're welcome. I'm going to jump on that grenade for you. I'll take the dangerous spot just so no bad can happen to anyone. I'm so, what a <laughs> hero. You know, believe it or not, this is the perfect segue. Believe it or not, we have, you know, my daughter's school, they're back in school. My daughter's going to a very high, big high school. And we get phone calls and recordings from the principal whenever there's something that needs to be reported to the parents. Is it like a robocall? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there have been COVID outbreaks at the school. And so every time she calls, she sounds just a little bit closer to taking her own life. It's like, it's like, it's like every time, every time no. you, the phone rings and it says Steinbrenner High School, you're like, oh, here we go. And you hit it and it's like, hello, this is Mrs. Jones, the principal at Steinbrenner. And I'm calling to say that we have another student who is reported with COVID and we will be dead. And it's yeah. like every time she calls, she's a little bit closer. And then... The final, the finale was, the finale was about three days ago. We get a call and she goes, hello, this is Miss Jones from Steinbrenner. We're calling to report that a car in the parking lot caught on fire today and burned. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm just like, <laughs> oh, no. you keep expecting like the next call is going to be, hi, this is Mrs. Jones from Steinbrenner. We're calling to report that a plague of locusts has attacked the school <laughs> and we will... <laughs> 
people be calling in some exterminators. No children were hurt at this time. <laughs> you know, it's like every time it's just worse and worse. But literally, a car in the parking lot caught on fire and burned. Her car and the car next to her was destroyed as well. And the car on the other side was damaged but not destroyed. And that car belonged to a friend of my daughter's. And my daughter, in which I, job well done, Bourey, in teaching your, your children to have perspective. Because my daughter was complaining that her friend, whose car was damaged, was complaining. Well, my friend's like just complaining, my car, my car is ruined, my car is ruined. And I'm like, did you see the other two cars? Yeah. <laughs> the other two cars are just burnt out husks, like Beirut cars. And you're yeah. complaining because there's some d- damage to the door of your car. Moral did of the you- story, never park near a teacher. Ever no. park as far away from the administration uh, and the teachers as you possibly can. I think I feel like the the, the next voicemail eventually you get a voicemail that the first thirty seconds is just a long sad sigh yeah. where it's like crying, <laughs> <sighs> just, just be crying on the phone. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Okay. Oh my you god. Well, I, you know, and our daughter, our daughter came to us uh, a couple days ago, and she, you know, she well, she came to my wife. She didn't come to me. She tested it on the, on the wife and she's like they're letting some people actually go back to school who are e-learning do you think i could do that do you think dad would let me do that so we talked about it because she doesn't like the e-learning and, and we talked about it and we talked about it and and part of the thing and i gotta make sure she's not around listening part of the problem is that she's um getting good grades in the e-learning so it's hard for me to justify that, you know, it'd be different if you just couldn't learn that way and you were getting bad grades. You and know, this is reason. being recorded, but there's zero chance she'll actually hear it. <laughs> yeah, there's zero chance she would ever listen to it. So that's part of the problem. Uh, but the other thing is, and, and my, that my wife brought up, is that, that every other day there's an outbreak at the school and they quarantine people. And when they, like the last one, they quarantined 75 people. And so we told, we, so she was like, you understand if we let you go back to school and someone near you gets it or whatever, you get caught into a, a quarantine, you will have to come home and go into your bedroom for two weeks. You will, have to, you will not be able to work for two weeks. You will not be able to participate in your extra school activities and color guard. You won't be able to do any of that if you get caught in the quarantine. So I know that this is frustrating to you, but it's the lesser of the two evils because if, you know, it'd be different if no one, but literally every other day we get the call. Right now, they're not going to be playing football this weekend because half the football team has been quarantined and half the football team of the opposing team has been quarantined as well. And I said, why don't they just play six-man football like they do in Texas at the small, tiny schools? <laughs> you know, or just go out there and play three-on-three. Three. <laughs> why don't they just play Madden over the internet and that'll, they could decide that way. The guy who rushes can just count off the Mississippis. You know, one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi, yeah. and then you can rush. <laughs> like we did in the playground. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's your worst-case scenario and I'm the king of worst-case scenario. So as much as you don't like this, still it's it's you stand a much better chance of being able to continue to doing to do all these other things that you love. But the poor principal, uh, you know, it's just it's just awful. Yeah, you know, I I can't imagine. I bet that job is is tougher than than even anybody knows about. But at the same time, you know, here in Orange County, they're doing seem to be doing a pretty good job in, in most of the schools. The case, you know, our our numbers, our COVID infection numbers, haven't spiked significantly um since school started which we all thought it was just going to go nuts and but for example like what the middle school that my neighbor's kid goes to normally has 800 students and they only have 200 kids doing in-person school right now so wow. like they're they're able to right like i think 75 percent of the parents in orange county elected to do e-learning or at least partial e-learning. Oh, that's much bigger than ours yeah. ours is uh, more like 25 or 30 percent but one of the reasons that we elected to do it was because we could you know right. because we work from home 
And we thought not only is it safer for our children, but it also will contribute to the safety of the kids who do have to go to school. Because I totally understand that there are parents who work and they can't e-learn their kids and they've got, and they, because they've got to go to work. And I totally understand that. So this is my way of helping them as well by having fewer children in the classroom. Uh, but right now, in Hillsborough, it's still pretty bad. Last time I heard, I think we have 15% of our ICU beds are available and maybe 25% of our total hospital beds are available. Wow. And Florida, actually, as a state, has one of the highest number of, of available hospital beds in the nation because of our population is so largely advanced in age. So many people retire here. We, I think we have almost twice as many hospital beds on average as, as almost every other state. And so for Florida get, to get filled up is, uh, is pretty bad. But overall, like our area is doing pretty good, but we're still, you know, just trying to, to keep our kids from going crazy while managing our risks with small things. So we'll go to like playgrounds at off-peak hours when there aren't a bunch of other kids around. And we'll go to like the library for certain things. And we'll go out to dinner at off-peak times and eat outside because there are plenty of places to do that. Thank God the weather's cooling off just a little bit <laughs> down here. It's still like 90, but you know, it's not a hundred, but yeah, it's uh, it's no joke, uh, you know, dealing with this and trying to keep kids engaged and happy and healthy. Unbelievable. When you're growing up, and your parents talk about when they were growing up, and they talk about things that you'll never experience, and they talk about them fondly, and you go, "Yeah, I'm okay, Dad, with never listening to the Lone Ranger on the radio." Yeah, you you'll know? never, ha you'll never dial a rotary phone. You'll never, you know, they would just say, "You'll never know what it's like to." Because you got the TV and we only had radio, you know, and, I, and as a kid, you're like, I don't, I'm okay with that. I'm perfectly fine with not knowing what that's like. I had one of those moments the other day, which, you know, I thought this is a shame, but of course it's not really, but still, and this is kind of a, an odd thing. We were going, uh, we, we were going to the doctor, we were taking, Bobby was going to the doctor, I was taking to the doctor and Google Maps was taking us there and it was using some back streets. And then when we left, it was using like different series of back streets to get us to where we had to go by avoiding certain things. And I thought, there's something that people today coming up with Google Maps will never know the joy of. And that is when, when before we had Google Maps, there was a joy in learning a town so well that you had discovered what the cool shortcuts were and how, you know, if you cut, the, if you go through here and go through this back street, you can avoid the light at fifth and main and you can, and there was a joy in that. Every time you did it, you, you were like, you were like, I'm cool. I'm the guy who knows how to, you know, it's like, it was like a video game that you were winning. When I was 17 or 18, it was one of the, one of the things that me and my friends talked about the most consistently, especially since we were all relatively new drivers was finding different shortcuts to get to different parts of town. It, it was, was like winning Pac-Man. If you could figure out how to get from A to B, by not having to get oh, on yeah. that street. I, I remember specifically, it was like, hey, if you're coming down US-1, you can cut through Palm City Road, and it'll cut out a two-mile section of Kenner Highway so that you can get over the bridge. And we're all like, oh, dude, that's amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. Like, that's great. Oh, man, I'm going to try that. And, and you're, yeah, your friend would show you some shortcut, and you'd be just like, oh, just, oh, that's the best thing ever, man. You felt so good. The rest of the day, you were on a high because you had learned this cool shortcut. Yeah, and you felt special. Like, I'm not even telling anybody about this one. It was like touching a bookcase and having it open up and there's a secret tunnel that goes to your bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're like, I've got this special thing, this special route. Yeah, that, yeah, no one knows about this special tunnel that I've discovered. And that's something that uh, the kids today will never experience that. No, I, I, I agree. I agree. At least, at least not to the same degree. But at the same time, kids today probably won't ever have to, like, know the frustration of being lost in your own damn city. <laughs> that's true. I'm, I'm, like I said, it's, 
it's um, they're perfectly fine. They're, I'm more than willing to give up that uh, that great feeling you had, Dad, for the convenience of being able to get anywhere I want to go as fast as possible by using Google Maps. I I totally get that, but at the same time, we made out all right. That was a fun thing. It was a that fun. Was a, you thing. know, that was a fun feeling. We made that out all right. But you though. only had that fun feeling because you had also been through the nightmare of being stuck in traffic and, and all those other bad places. That's why it felt so good was that you were avoiding this pain. And Google Maps has fixed it so that you never have to go through that pain at all. Right. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah, it's uh, it was pretty cool. But, you know, I'll take uh, high-speed internet. Hey, the good point is even if you get stuck in traffic, you can watch Netflix while you wait. So That's it's, right. you know, like, whatever. Don't watch Netflix while you drive, though. Just no. saying. You, listen to a podcast. You're probably listening to a podcast right now. And uh, pay attention to the road. Put both hands, 10 and 2, and be safe. Anyway, so what else you got? That's all I got. That's all I got for, for, for chit-chat. Okay. All right. Well, the chit-chat is over. It's, uh, it's time. It's time to up our game. It's time for Photography News. Photography, Photography News. Photography News is brought to you today by RetouchUp.com. RetouchUp.com wants to be your photo editing partner. It just sent a whole bunch of stuff just at a school a couple days ago. And uh, shot all the kids there at the school and then came home and picked out the best ones. And bam, off they went to RetouchUp. That was yesterday. And today in my email box is your RetouchUp order is finished. 50 kids. 50 kids all said and done. Yeah, absolutely. It's great. I do a, a lot of retouching myself, but I've also, you know, I know when it's just not worth my time to sit there and do it by hand when I know that I have that resource available to me. So I use it all the time, not on everything, but I use it whenever I'm busy or overwhelmed or I need an extra few minutes in my day. Absolutely love sending stuff out and, and just putting a little breathing room back into my life for sure. And don't forget an additional way for you to possibly make a little money during uh, the craziness that has been going on this year is to offer complete photo restoration to your clients. And you can just farm that out to RetouchUp. Uh, they, for $35, they will do a complete restore on any image regardless of the damage to the image. If you'd like to try them out, all you have to do is send an email to P at RetouchUp.com and say, hey, I want to try out the service or whatever, and he will give you half off your first order. If you don't like the way the order comes in, they will always rework it for you. And it's a great way with no effort on your part to offer a little bit of extra money and extra service uh, to your clients. And anyone who signs up now for a new retouchup.com account, all you have to do is put Photobomb in the box when you sign up and you will get a special discount code as well. Absolutely. Gotta love it. Enjoy it. Enjoy all your welcome for all the, the free time you're going to get back in your life this year. All right, what do you got in photography news today? I have some interesting stories. Um, let me lead with a bummer, and because, you know, why not? Um, do you remember the story from months ago? This is back in Labor Day 2019. A, a photographer named Victoria Schaefer had been killed while on a photo shoot with, uh, because a log had fallen from a an area above her and, and landed on her and killed her. Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah, we, we, we talked about that story on the show. Yeah, we talked about that a couple of times. Well, all these many months later, uh, things have come to light. And just an update for listeners who follow that story. Victoria Schaefer, 44, was a photographer in Chillicothe, um, I think maybe Ohio. Anyway, um, she was killed instantly when uh, a, a, uh, a young, two young men put a, pushed a 6-foot, 74-pound log off a cliff at a place called Old Man's Cave. And she was taking photos of area students when she was struck. And so 
essentially, uh, you know, this is very tragic. She left children behind. She had a business, photographed a lot of senior portraits, uh, just great small town photographer, PPA member. And uh, the, let's see, the team, one of the kids uh, who, who was responsible for this pleads guilty, uh, has, has pled guilty to um, a, what's it called, involuntary manslaughter. And so essentially, you know, there's one kid, I think, who, who it's not quite done with him yet, but just an update on that story. And, and we, had, we had conjectured at the time about why this happened and how this happened. And this is obviously a terrible thing. And although it is possible that these two boys are, you know, future, future serial killers and they're terrible, murderous monsters, the truth is that there are a lot of people being affected by this. And when I first read this story, I thought, how many stupid things that I did when I was 17, which is how old this boy was, 16 when it happened, that could have gone sideways and ended up in myself or someone else being seriously hurt or killed? How many times did that happen to me as a teenager where, you know, I could just see myself at 16 standing on top, let's roll this log down there and scare the crap out of them and have that go sideways? You know what I mean? I can't say that I wouldn't have been in on that. I hopefully I would have been like, no, that sounds like a real bad idea. But um, anyway, I just thought uh, any 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 thoughts on that? Everything that you just said is true. I, I'm, I think we struggle with this all the time. With when do you become an adult? When are you truly responsible for your actions? And and could I have done that when I was sixteen? It's one of the it's one of the problems that I I push back a lot against when you hear that. This person who was 16 did this horrible thing. We're going to try him as an adult. And I think either he's an adult or he's not an adult. You know, the, the black and white, you know, gray area part of me wants to say, wants to say either a person is not res- fully responsible for their actions or they are. This idea that if your actions are particularly heinous, then you must be an adult. You can't, I, I don't, I've never understood it. You know, and, and in the case with this boy, it's one of those things too that, it's horrible what you did, and you deserve to pay a price for it. But at the same time, you're 16. I mean, you just, the idiotic stuff you do when you're 16, the things you believe when you're 16. I, I, almost every 16-year-old boy I know who's now a 40-year-old man should be dead for some dumb stuff that they did at some point. My best friend from high school, we'll be joking around all the time, and he's like, I don't know how we survived high school. When you think about the stuff we used to do, I don't know how we And I was a good kid. You know, the, the bad kids? Jesus, I don't know how they're not all dead. Or haven't killed somebody. Yeah, I mean, there there are times when we were just like ride through residential neighborhoods at like eighty miles an hour, ducking cops and weird stuff like and like all that stuff that we never got caught for. Nobody ever got hurt. Could have gone sideways so easily. I had a guy and, in high school tried to take a mailbox out with a baseball bat from a moving car and ripped his arm off. Oof, Jesus. Yeah, it's horrible. I, I and I and I don't know what the I don't know what the answer is to these cases. I never know because justice must be served. Justice must be served, but at the same time, children are children, uh, you know, so. Now, you can't let this go unanswered. It it looks to me the judge has accepted a recommended sentence of three to four and a half years with time served, according to this article. Um, so, but that's going to be later in October where that sen- it's going to be sentenced in juvenile court. And you have to believe that any attorney involved in this case, if they believed that these kids were sociopaths and killers they would have just tried them as adults and thrown the book at them you know it seems like i mean they may they more than likely would have showed remorse and so yes this is gonna be some this is a terrible tragedy but gosh man just 
just terrible. And it happens in our own like community of photographers. I, j- I just don't know what to think about it. Like, I want to believe that this is a terrible accident and a mistake. Uh, but man, just, just a tough, tough story that, uh, since we, since we talked about it before, I just wanted to follow up on it by, uh, by the end of October, I think you should see both boys will have probably entered a similar plea and been, and been sentenced. I have three stories that are all kind of linked because I noticed a trend, uh, moving between these three stories. And it is of course, uh, the rise of the robots and the coming of Skynet. That's right. I'm ready. Uh, I, 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 for one, welcome our new robot overlords. As, as do I. I keep uh, extra oil here in the house in case any of them would like to stop by. Funny story. I always say please and thank you to Alexa. <laughs> just in case. Just <laughs> in do. case. I just do. in case she becomes your robot overlord. Just, just in case Alexa's sentient and we don't know about it yet. I was like, I, I just want Alexa to remember he was always nice. You know, just just say please and thank you to Alexa. It's not a big deal. Yeah, not a bad habit to be in. Why not? No. Oh, just in case. Uh, there's a, a new camera being developed called the, the Alice camera. And this is uh, combining a couple of things that we've talked about on the show and that I've talked about on the show. Uh, it is a uh, interchangeable lens camera. Uh, it's going to use a micro four-thirds chip. And it has AI. But it will use your smartphone for the computational part of the camera. So it's not going to use your smartphone camera and chip. It's just basically the the phone. I'm talking about the phone is going to become the brains. Isn't this exactly what you've talked about before? Yes. The phone, the phone is going to become the brains. The phone plugs into the back of the camera and becomes the brains of the camera. But the camera itself is a camera. It has its own chip. It has its own lenses. Um, you know, but it just doesn't have the robust software that, to run it. And they say it is using machine learning, right? So the phone is going to adjust and 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 make decisions for you. Uh, they will improve everything from autofocus and exposure to the camera's color science, what, is, what it's all going to do. And I, I like this idea, and it's a cool idea, but what makes me come a little short on it is that it's saying it's probably going to be about $1,000. Yeah. And I'm like, for $1,000, Gary, can you think of another camera that you could buy? Maybe about, that yeah, would- literally hundreds of them. Yeah, that, you know, that's my problem. It's like $1,000. What's the conv- You still have to carry this camera with a lens on it and everything, just like you would any other camera. Um, so, I mean, every camera you buy now c- can connect to your phone and send the pictures directly there. So what exactly is the advantage of this? I, well, what I think it looks like the images will go straight to your phone. Um, it looks pretty my, compact. My camera does that now. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it doesn't go anywhere else. It doesn't seem like it. Like it literally, your phone is the memory for the camera. But it connects to your phone via Bluetooth the same way that, you know, my Fuji X100V connects to my phone. Right. Like, so the idea of having to get this thing out, turn on your phone and connect it just to start taking pictures, it doesn't seem, the technology is kind of interesting, but it just doesn't seem any more convenient than just having a small walk around camera with you or just using your phone i, I well the first, one thing i thought it was they said that that because it connects by bluetooth that you can actually disconnect the phone from the camera and like use the phone look at the phone disconnected from the camera and still use the camera and i thought oh well that's pretty cool like you could use the camera to take pictures of yourself or whatever and have the phone up next to you where you could see better but then i realized <laughs> my fuji does that my, the, the app on my fuji will let me but <laughs> it does that so and, and it's like $300 more. What do you bring into the table here that's going to make my life easier or more convenient or take better pictures? 
than simply spending a thousand dollars or less uh, on a on a camera from one of the camera manufacturers. I I love the idea of it, but not at a thousand dollars. I mean, maybe this is the beginning. You know, it's always expensive with new technology, and maybe eventually it gets to the point where you can spend two hundred bucks and get something like this for your camera, uh, for your phone rather. Uh, but right now, nah. Yeah, uh, it's a pass for me, but definitely keeping an eye on the technology. The it's the AI, the machine learning stuff that's going to be the next technological development in cameras that's going to really change the game to be able to look at it and then you're going to see cameras will have options in 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 the not too distant future where they will correct the lighting for you and they'll light you know what i mean they'll use ai to make sure that you get a perfect exposure and that you know like you can add a certain you'll be able to basically add your lightroom presets and all your other stuff equivalent like in the camera as you take them you know through ai and stuff like so you'd be like oh well this seems to be a scene from a wedding and so that's a white dress. So I want to make sure that the highlights are down and make sure that the midtones are up so that you get the face exposed properly like that I can see. And so but this is uh, it's a curiosity, not something practical yet. The uh, the Arsenal 2 is coming out on Kickstarter. They, they did the Arsenal, I guess, a couple of years ago. Now the Arsenal 2 is coming out. And I think we might have talked about this on the show before. It's going to run about two hundred and fifty dollars, one hundred and seventy through Kickstarter. And this is a little box that clips into the hot shoe on your camera and plugs into your camera. And it is AI machine learning for your camera. Once you plug this in, it will then take care of everything. It'll select your shutter speed, your aperture, your ISO, your exposure compensation, um, while you just focus on trying to get a good uh, composition. You know, that's what you're shooting for. And it does everything else for you. And there's some sample pictures that have come along with this. And again, they're just trying to get it to the point to where you don't have to think about anything but composing or posing, and the camera can figure all the rest of it out for you. And boy, have they got, they've got some money behind them. They've raised over $3.7 million on Kickstarter for the Arsenal too. And here's the thing. I was talking to some friends the other day, and we were talking about new photography and everything, and, and they were saying, when you first came up back in the film days, everything started with exposure. Before you could learn anything else, as far as being a photographer is concerned, you had to learn exposure. You had to understand uh, shutter speed, aperture, ISO. You know, you had to put all that together. And now, more and more people are coming up in an era where the cameras are being designed to figure all that out for you. And so they don't have to learn that. And the question is, is that okay? You know, I can, I, I was, as you were talking, I was hearing that argument in my head. You know, and honestly, we've talked about this before. You cannot stop this progress of technology that seems to be moving award, moving toward doing very basic things when it comes to the technical aspect of taking a picture for you. And so what this does, though, the more that you add these things, for example, you could make the argument that eye tracking autofocus makes it too easy to be a photographer. And now the camera's doing that work for you. But that is a something that, to me, is an impediment to creativity. So like... Now that I don't have to select my point and focus on the eye, I don't have to worry about that. Now I can, that's one less thing. I'm freed up more to, to work on the creativity of the image. The concept and the execution and the mind behind the image from a non-technical standpoint becomes more important in this post-technology world. So do you think that removing concern over exposure merely allows people to put more energy into the artistic side and because they don't have to worry about that stuff? Um, yes, I believe it could. But it'll also make it a little bit harder 
to to stand out as a professional when it, it's hard to get people to do things like, hey, you should really, you know, study photography and get your certification. Um, why? There's this camera does all that stuff. All I got to do is be creative, you know. Right. So there's an argument there that I could hear both sides of. But honestly, there's there's just too much to be replaced at this moment. It's not something I don't think I'm going to have to totally worry about in my career as a professional. But, you know, I think that you could make this argument in almost any art like you could, you know, painting. Um, think of it, sculpting, like whatever, like you, you could 3D print it. I don't I don't know. But there's just something to the digital paintbrushes hurt painting because now you no longer have to learn how to mix colors right exactly <laughs> like you know i have a cousin who's an artist and he creates he does he does painting and watercolor and chalk but he also does has added digital painting with his like ipad pro or whatever to his repertoire it's a great it's another great way for him to create art so uh, it, it doesn't even really matter what we think like it's happening you know right. what matters from a professional standpoint okay first of all well let me just back you up there of course it matters what we think this is a photobomb podcast and we are boo hey and gary <laughs> the whole premise the whole premise of this exercise is that it matters what right. we think all right it, what what we think about it isn't going to change anything no it, it isn't is, going to change anything but it is an interesting discussion to have of are we dumbing down the art when we dumb down the process of creating the art. One of the, this doesn't necessarily eliminate the old way of doing things. There's still people who do almost every type of art in the old way. It just becomes more of a boutique thing. People still shoot film when they shoot weddings and, and, and you know, people still work in the dark room. It's just not the way that things are done commercially. And so as a professional photographer, I go, well, if this is going to make my job a little easier and faster and I can concentrate on, you know, the other things that make an image, because you can take, the camera can take a technically perfect image for you and do all the thinking, but a camera can't necessarily elicit a good expression or come up with a great idea or come up with an original thought or or a camera can't necessarily yet, you know, time it so that it knows what's going to happen in an event that's going on and capture the right moment at a wedding. You know, it doesn't know where to stand to make, you know. So, you know, there, yes, it can probably make entry easier, but people have been complaining about the entry to photography getting easier since photography was created. I bet you at the first, you know, National Photographers Association convention in where was it, Chicago in 1866 or something. I bet you at that convention, I bet they were complaining about, you know, how easy the new cameras were to use by comparison. It's like you don't actually have to strap them to a donkey to move them around anymore. You can handhold them, and that's just going to let anybody be a photographer. Like. So, you know, I'm not necessarily discounting the the concept of it. All I'm saying is that technology keeps coming out that makes lowers the entry and yet the industry keeps surviving. All right, the third thing in our mission to have the machines take over the world uh comes from a company called On One. Are you familiar with familiar with On One and their process? Yeah. Didn't they used to have a different name? Um uh, maybe. Weren't they something else for a while? I feel like On One was something else for a while that we used to use on one photo editing software. Yes. No, I, I, it's been on one for a while as far as I can recall. Okay. Well, they've got a, you know, a suite of different things that are being used, uh, standalone applications, plugins for uh, Lightroom and Photoshop and uh, portrait plugins and so forth. And they are also adding extensive AI 
to their system that you will uh, simply hit a button and it will do, uh, you know, the right amount of realistic retouching. That's what they call it, the right amount of realistic retouching to the lips and the eyes and the skin of the people in your photos. And they're saying that, that you will be able to apply more advanced edits like frequency separation and shine reduction and blemish removal and face sculpting. And this stuff is all exciting. I've yet to see any of it that actually does a job that's as good as, and I'm not, I'm not shilling, but it doesn't do as good a job as a real person or like somebody at RetouchUp or me does it. You know, you know, I, you know this is interesting uh, that all the companies are going with this AI. I've yet to see an AI do it and I've, where I've said, yeah, I like that better than a human being. Right. Maybe someday, you know, maybe it'll get there. I've got uh, Portrait Professional uh, is, is one that I use also, but so it's got, I think, similar to this. I'm just looking on the On One website right now. It's called On One Portrait AI, and it looks like it does a pretty decent job. I'll tell you how I use software like this is if I'm shooting a volume job and a lot of the headshot gigs we are delivering immediately, like shooting them to an iPad station, and then the person just a couple minutes after you take the picture can go select their photo and then self-deliver. So there's no retouching option, really. So this is a good option to run it through, assuming that it will batch. I don't know that it does. I know that the Portrait Professional does batch. It's definitely not what I would do if I did it by hand. But if you use it sparingly, it can definitely give it a little bit of polish that, you know, make your life a little bit easier. I have found that when you go into a detailed retouch with these softwares, it honestly takes just as long as if I just did it by hand in Photoshop. Yeah, that's always been my problem. It's always like you hit the AI button. Yeah, you hit the AI button and then you have to go in and make all these adjustments and fix it and work with it. And by the time I finish that, I'm like, I could have just done this the old way or better yet, I could have sent a retouch up and not done it at all. You know, that, that, it's yet to really get that point. The, the main, you know, the best way to use this, in my opinion, or something like this, because these do have a place. I don't think this will replace retouching for me, not, you know, retouching by hand or, or you know, by a human. But this does have a place in your workflow. For example, let's say you've got a portrait session, and rather than going through and retouch all those portraits by hand, you want to do your sales presentation, your in-person sales, with something that looks a little more polished but not quite finished, you know, a little bit better than the images just being raw processed. So this is a great way to run these images through a light retouch and to create a preset that sort of you know, gives it a little bit of skin smoothing, maybe a little bit of like blemish removal, all that stuff without having to get really into all the dials. Because once you dial in a gently retouched preset, it's a great way to kind of pre-touch your images for IPS or to give a light little dusting to images that you're going to deliver immediately in a situation like a, an event-based volume headshot gig. And so that's kind of how I would use it. You know, if you already know how to retouch by hand and you're fast at it like I am and I'm sure you are, Going to detail on this, it's more of like a curiosity than than anything else. So, yeah. All right. So next story is I have a little announcement from Canon. All right. So uh, funny enough, Gary, are you going to leave with Canon news? Uh, probably about 100% chance today because Canon has announced the C70. It's their new cinema camera. And essentially, it's like a slightly fatter R5 basically because it's got the active cooling, but it's the first cinema camera that has a native RF mount. So you're going to be able to use those awesome new RF lenses on these cinema cameras. And it's got, you know, specs are pretty impressive. It's going to do some cool stuff. This would be a really good A cam for people who do a lot of interview work. And it'll also give you access to those RF. It's got, uh, you know, XLR inputs, which are really critical for good audio and video. It's got, uh, 
dual SD card slots. It's got all kinds of cool stuff. Um, and it's got, you can even get a remote control for it, which is nice. And it'll do, you know, 4K, blah, 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 blah. Point is, it's a it's a cinema camera that Cam- Canon just came out with that is going to be, it's really compact. It's got a lot built into it. And it's got the RF lens mount. So that's the, How much is it going to cost? Uh, uh, that's not important, Boo-Ray. The cost isn't important here. What's important? <laughs> it's okay if it's expensive. It's a cinema camera. We're talking about shooting the next Quentin Tarantino film with this camera, right? We're not talking about wedding photographers. We're talking yeah. about this is like a real, the real deal, right? According to this, it'll look like it looks like it'll be about fifty five hundred. Okay, you're a guy shooting a movie that's going to go in a theater, and you can get your camera for fifty five hundred. That's a deal. Well, this is. Uh, I, I mean, it's not necessarily something that you would use for. A feature film, although I'm sure you could you could do that with this, the quality would be there. But you know, this would be more a workhorse camera for commercial video producers who need basically, you know, to be able to have a camera that doesn't overheat. I guess, <laughs> like like you can run in those high quality video modes for longer periods of time. This is the camera that's really meant to do that. And so I've been kind of like in the groups I'm in on Facebook and stuff, and watching the scuttlebutt happen a little bit and. People seem to be pretty excited about it. So it doesn't look like it's going to do 8K. Uh, like maybe that's not getting that ambitious, but it will do 4K in various modes that will make all of the uh, video people happy, neutral density filter, all kinds of cool stuff. So uh, seems like a pretty good option for those Canon video shooters that want access to the RF mount lenses. Profoto is coming out with uh, a new version of their flagship flash. It will be called the A10 Speedlight. Uh, they have added Bluetooth to this speed light, so that it will now work with your cell phone, which is very, very cool. Uh, and it is still available for the bargain price of just $1,100. Gosh, I know they make great quality products. I got nothing against Profoto. And if money was no object, I would probably just have all Profoto gear. Just because I love the design of their stuff, the ease of use, the quali- the overall quality. But I got to tell you, as a business owner, it's just not in the cards for me to spend that kind of money on a speed light. Like it's just, no, no, I could make the argument because of the reliability, the consistent output, you know, the ease of use, like there's, there's no question. They make great stuff, but I just can't see my way to spend an $1,100 on a speed light. Even if that speed light rubs my feet at the end of a long shoot, I just don't think like $1,100. The CEO said, this is a revolutionary innovation, making professional flash available to smartphones has the potential to be groundbreaking. Mm. What ground are we going to be... How is an $1,100 flash for your phone? Well, it also will work with your camera. Sure it will, but he's talking specifically for making it available to... Groundbreaking how? There's no professional who would ever think, I'm better off using my phone. And this giant flash, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, the the flash that's twice the size and and five times the weight of your phone. Yeah. So I don't, I just, it's, I feel like they're trying to do stuff to the flash and they really need to. It And it's it's pretty powerful. Like, here's what you need. If you made a flash, if you made a strobe that did all this, but it was one third the size, one third the cost, and you know, then then you could you could you could convincingly say that I want for content creators and people on the go to be able to have a pocket flash that they could take with them, and you could even cut the power in half or to a third of what it, the the output of this thing is. It's just this is not an area of photography where there are no options anymore, right? And and you know, in the next six months to a year, 
all of the bargain brands of flashes are going to come out with something that does the same thing. And yes, they're, they're not going to be quite as well built. They're not going to have quite as consistent of an output. But for most of us, they're going to be just fine. Yeah, yeah, just fine. Uh, Sony is announcing a new Sony A9. Well, it's rumored. So we don't know where this will go. But the rumor is that they will be releasing a 50 megapixel Sony A9 with 8K video in early 2021. So if you are a Sony user or would like to be, this would be the monster. Uh, it's going to have the hybrid card system that they have now, that hybrid card system where you can use two different types of cards in the camera. Uh, so yeah, that's just on the radar. They say the price will be somewhere around $5,000 or $5,500. <laughs> Gee, that sounds familiar. Is this going to be the, the answer back to the, Sony's answer back to the R5, essentially? Like, Well, it can't be. I'm not to, I mean... To the maybe the R5 you were just talking about, not the regular R5. It's going to be fifty five hundred dollars. Well, the, you know, I'm. This is de this is their flagship mirrorless camera, the A9, right? This is the most expensive one that they make. They say it will be either called the Sony A9s or the Sony A9 III. Yeah, I. Uh, yeah, I'm sure that's going to be great. Uh, it's just it, it is a tough time, and even with with the R5 and even the R6 and other cameras coming out. It's hard to convince photographers to spend money right now. So yeah. hopefully by the time this thing is out, start shipping, we'll have seen a lot more economic growth and photographers getting back to work. Uh, but speaking of which, in Sony news, the Alpha A7S III, this is the little almost dedicated to video camera that uh, was announced not too long ago, has apparently started shipping. So yeah, there you go. So those people who are not YouTubers and vloggers who didn't get an advanced production model should be getting their A7S3s in their uh, delivered and left dented on their porch by Amazon any day now. So that's that's pretty cool. I saw a story where a photographer tried to do a comparison of dynamic range between Sony and Canon now that Canon has the R5 out. And of course, this is this is a pixel peeping comparison, but rather a let's you know let's just shoot the same shots, let's put them in Lightroom. Let's boost up the dynamic range and let's see if the human eye can detect a difference between the, the Sony and the Canon. It was the Canon R5 versus the Sony A7R3. And uh, his conclusion was that he couldn't see a difference anymore. His conclusion was that, that, that Canon with the R5 has caught up to Sony when it comes to dynamic range. Is this a big deal? Uh, I, I've heard, I actually had a guy on my one of my YouTube videos who's another uh, YouTuber um and i yeah, actually subscribed to his channel which is cool so he commented on my video i'm like oh that's cool uh but he actually asked me how i'm dealing with the limited dynamic range on the r5 and i'm like honestly i haven't noticed it at all like you know i i guess i'm not putting myself in situations where i have extreme you know differences in contrast anyway because i'm mostly shooting in the studio but you know honestly i know that there's a difference between like my 5d mark IV and the EOS RP in dynamic range, and that's one of the things they say is the difference between the two. And I never noticed it switching from one to the other. So it, it's just a it's a lost on me type of level of technical depth that I don't typically go into in my cameras. I have noticed on my R5 when shooting video that the highlights clip pretty easily, but you know dynamic range hasn't really been a huge concern to me for a while. When I was shooting weddings, I was a lot more concerned about it because you're shooting a white dress and a black tux a lot, you know. And so your dynamic range in certain situations really does play into it. But, you know, that's great. Good. I mean, yay, Canon, I guess. <laughs> Where'd it go? All right. So I just as a, um, uh, just to jump off your A9 
the new A9 model story, the rumored new A9. I just looked up the existing A9, which is $3,500. Okay. And so I don't know if this is going to be like the the Canon when they come out with the uh, the like the 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 Canon 5S, which was like the big megapixel version of the 5D Mark IV, or they're going to kind of come out with the R5S, which is going to be like apparently the 90 megapixel version of the R5. If this A9 is going to be like the more megapixel, I don't really know. A A9, I don't know. Like this is the problem. I have no idea what Sony's doing. <laughs> <laughs> Like I should, I should really educate myself more on Sony's products for the sake of our listeners who are who are Sony listeners or Sony users. But uh, yeah. Oh, you know why start now? Well, the A9 is a 24 megapixel camera. I do know that, and so going to the next version of it to make it 50 megapixels will be great for those people who want that extra resolution. So I just want to get out and start shooting again. I'm just, you know, I mean, I'm I'm doing jobs, and 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 I and I did, like I said, I did the school the other day, and. But I just really I want to get out and start shooting for fun again, and, you know, because I just I don't do it now because I don't want to go out around people and because I'm not traveling and because, I, you know, all the things that normally would would I would present opportunities for me to shoot. I'm just so ready for that to be finished. Oh, by the way, I did a job. Uh, like I said, I did a job this week and I thought, you know, this is something, too. And, I, and I'm sure you've experienced this, too. Uh, th- there's such a pleasure as a photographer in doing a job for a client that's been a repeat client for a couple of years. Like I've got uh, this school that I do. And it's so nice when you're going to those jobs and you go and you don't have the normal anxiety that you have when you're going to a job because you know everyone there and you've done it several times for them. So you're like, okay, this is going to be fine. They're going to be like, oh, hey, Bure, good to see you. Come in and do the headshots you've done for us five times already and, or whatever. You know, it's just, I don't, if you're a new photographer listening to the podcast and you're, and you're getting into the game, let me tell you, repeat clients are a joy most of the time. I mean, sometimes they're a pain, but just having that whole thing. And um, I had something happen this time, and, and I can't believe I hadn't thought about this. I came into the school to do their pictures, and they brought out the yearbook from last year, and they showed me. They're like, oh, look, here in the yearbook, and all the graduation pictures in the yearbook were shot by me. All the students were, yeah, all the students were shot by me. All the senior cap and gowns were shot by me, and they're showing me the book, and I'm like, how come I didn't buy one of these books last year when, <laughs> when they came out? It just didn't even occur to me that I would want to buy the yearbook that was going to have all my pictures in it. I need one of these yearbooks. I should have one of these yearbooks, right? These are my pictures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if nothing else, an example of something to show another school who wanted to hire you. Yeah, yeah. there you go, right? So it was, um, it was just, but it was, it, I was, I was uh, surprisingly moved by it. I don't know why, but I was just like, this is a school yearbook and these are all my pictures. Like long after you're gone, those exactly. kids will be... Pulling that out. Right. I've got my yearbooks in the closet there. They're 30 years old. And, and you know, these kids, these kids will be pulling this yearbook out, you know, when they're 50s and 60s. Those are my pictures. That's very cool. There's also a, a magic to seeing your work in print when you don't get to see it a lot in print. Like, there's so much digital delivery for certain types of clients. And I've been printing, you know, I actually made another YouTube video that part of it is about printing. And I've just printed up a bunch of work for my office recently. And just seeing your images roll off that thing and like tangibly, it's, it's, there's something to it that, and I do, even though it's like, I'm not emotionally necessarily connected to the subject matter or anything like that, but just to see that work become a living, breathing piece of art, it's just something extra that's not in a digital file. Right. And, you know, um, and I'm not even selling, I'm just printing for my own pleasure at this point, you know, just, uh, there's, there's definitely something to it. So when you say that you kind of felt, 
something seeing it. I'm sure that there's a lot wrapped up in that. But yeah, absolutely, I can completely relate. Um, I got one more story for photography news, and it is Facebook adds new tool to help creators protect their images. This is on CNET, and people and publishers will be able to manage images across Facebook and Instagram. So let me just read you the, the first bit of the article. It says, Facebook on Monday said it's expanding its tools to help creators and publishers protect their intellectual property. Similar to its tools for managing video and music rights, Rights Manager for Image uses, quote, image matching technology to help creators and publishers protect and manage their image content, end quote. Across Facebook and Instagram, the company said in a blog post, the tool is rolling out to select partners Monday, although it's unclear exactly who this includes. The social network eventually plans to offer it to everyone, said a Facebook spokeswoman. People have to apply to use the Rights Manager tool, which is available in the social network's creator studio. So essentially... It will keep track of the images you post so that you can have more control over what people do with them. And this is kind of a problem that since Facebook, since social media came out, that photographers have been asking. It's like, well, if I post it there, then anybody can do what they want with it. And and realistically, they still can in, in a lot of ways. But as far as make it makes it a little easier for you to keep track of what's being done with your images that you post on the platform. And that's not a bad thing. Oh, it's not a bad thing at all. I think we've all had stuff stolen and used by other people, other websites. Mm-hmm. My favorite being the time that someone took an entire album that I had put online, posted it on their Facebook page as a wedding that they had done, at, and then gave the bride and groom new names because they didn't know the bride and groom's names. So they were like, this is George, <laughs> this is George and Martha. And one of the pictures in the album was a close-up of the cake with their initials on it, and which were not G and M. <laughs> Look, yeah, if you're going to steal images, like at least be smart about it, you know, like. And of course, when I contacted them and when I contacted them and called them out on it, they said, "Oh, that's just the girl who does my Facebook page. I didn't realize she was doing that." That's always Bull. what they say. They always uh. say, that. "I didn't realize they were doing that." Okay. They always say that though. That's always it's always the web designer. It's always it's always somebody. It's never the fault of the company, which is BS. But uh, anywho, all right. So that's all I got. Photography news. What do you got? That's it. I am done with photography news. And we, news oh, is that why you're making that signal up. with your with your yes. We are ready to wrap up this segment of the big podcast. Uh, don't forget, you can find us online at facebook.com slash photobombpodcast. That's where all the activity takes place. We have a website, photobombpodcast.com. Gary's website is hughesfioretti.com. So it is. My website is com, And you can email us questions at photobombpodcast.com. We will see you back here next week. See you later. See you later.